0: the one place on earth you find most inspiring?
1: So having not been to all the places on earth yet, um, I would say that uh, the place that I've, I go to in my mind a lot when I want to call up like peace, which to me is a, a very aspirational, inspirational concept. I think of Lake Tahoe. Ah. Um, we used to live near it. And I just think there's something super cool about mountain lakes. There are these very hidden, pure cold like oasis in the middle of mountains. And it's just wild to me that they exist. Um, but they're just like uh, majestic, I don't know. I remember there was a, a a person that I knew who used to describe Lake Tahoe as the place where um the fabric is thin between heaven and earth. Um, and I remember thinking that was a cool way of thinking about it. But mm-hmm. yes, I find a lot of inspiration from very peaceful settings like that
0: nice nice Nice. how about you Kimberly um
2: I think mine would also be water related but I was gonna not to be totally cliche but say the ocean but specifically I think anything where you can see the horizon for a long time Mm. is where I kind of click into place and feel inspired so even if that's like a balcony and you're looking over a city at night I think that's really inspiring Mm. but I, I want there to be like a long view and that that's what really gets me Okay. Where's the How best you? one you've seen, though? Best view, or like wh- that image? Like, what, what, what is a place that you've experienced that? Well, I, I'd say at the ocean because mm-hmm. you have that, and but also we've seen hotels in cities where if you have a balcony on a high enough floor, yeah. and, and the city is just <laughs> lit up. Um, we've done that in Chicago. Chicago's a gorgeous city, especially at night. Um, even Austin, if you get the right the right view. Um, it can be really, really Mm -hmm. gorgeous.
0: Yeah. So I'm going to go with all night diners. (laughs) Actually. (laughs) that's So
2: true for him.
0: So for me, like (laughs) just so
1: pretty (laughs) inspired by breakfast at 2am. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, there's that, but also like the people who come into diners Mm -hmm. at 3am having been a, (laughs) a, a former manager of an all night diner. Yeah. Uh, like inspiring doesn't even like begin to to like cover it.
2: <laughs> you're never bored.
0: Yeah, you're never <laughs> bored, and uh, there's so many stories that come out of out of uh, the all night diner scene that That's true. That's true. I just I just have a deep love for that. So, and to our listeners, welcome to the Kimberly and Coach Show, where we bring you actionable practices you can use in your leadership and collaboration. Today, I'm Coach Kimberly is right next to me with us. Today is human resources expert, Leslie Almond. Leslie, thank you so much for hanging out with us today.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm so excited to have you because we actually work with you on occasion. We do leadership and team dynamics with our consulting and our non-podcasting role. And every once in a while, I have an HR question I need an HR consultant with. I need a real expert. And uh, Leslie is that expert, people. And so uh, we've had a lot of really great conversations about the nitty-gritty of the kind (laughs) of situations you find yourself in when you're doing conflict management and mediation and policy and things like that. And so... One of those conversations that we had was what I'm teeing up for tonight. And I'm very excited for people to hear it. And it basically has to do with when a company has values, especially if companies say like, our values are innovation and honesty. You know, like you have like one word values. These are the values of our company. It doesn't necessarily translate to those being the primary tenants of the culture. You have those etched on a cup or on a plaque you know, you know what they are, but they're kind of amorphous and people don't know how do you put those into play? And so we had a great conversation a couple of months ago about how we can make, like, kind of put some flesh on the ideas of the values for our company. So I wanna start with the question, why don't one word values shift the culture? Why doesn't that work?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, it's always define your terms, right? So like not opposed to having a one word value, but you have to also have an accompanying definition um, because whoever chose the word had a specific thing in mind. It was Um, a plaque on the wall. A plaque. Yeah. (laughs) I I always say like, I always say words on the wall. Um, (laughs) I literally worked someplace that had them and like, they were like two feet like size lettering. It was just like huge. That's Um, how you know they're serious. Yeah. Well, and at that place, they actually had a word that they use that they define differently than most people. So like we even had employees who'd been there for years who would get confused about the use Mm. despite sort of like drilling in what we mean by it. So there is this element of like um, driving for clarity, you know, like we want things to be as clear as possible so that like you can um, communicate it to the employees. And then like what we've talked about in the past is like to make values living you have to integrate them into like all the areas of the business and the employee experience and like to do that they can't just be one word <laughs> like they have to have not only definitions but also like a description of like what behaviors actually demonstrate the value and which behaviors undermine that value and um I, yeah there's i feel like at each sort of stage of the employee life cycle there's ways you can use them um, and you need sort of different tools talking about them um, to give them life to point. Mm. Mm.
0: Can
2: you share an example of a value and what behaviors would demonstrate it and what would harm, harm that piece in the culture? Yeah.
1: Uh, so I'll actually use an example of one that we have right now. And, um, when I first saw it, I was like, Oh, it's a little cliche and it's growth. Cause it's like, who doesn't <laughs> want growth at their company? Right. Like, yeah. but they specifically defined it as growth mindset like constantly seeking feedback, no ego. Um, So it really is one of those things where it's like, if you are defensive about feedback or if you want to do things your way and you're not open to other ways of doing things and it it actually gets complemented by our other values and the way they're defined. So like, there's actually sort of like a cohesive message across them. But like, we actually, I end up referring to it a lot um, because, you know, like it's the very, it's actually one of the quickest and earliest signs that somebody might not be, a good fit for our sort of company culture in the interview process, or even once they're on board is if they're like sort of instantly defensive to feedback, or if they're not like always trying to grow and get better, like people who want growth and have growth mindset have bring a certain energy to the way they work and the way they collaborate and things like that. And so even though I thought it was a little cheesy at first, it's actually, I think been very, helpful in, in being a litmus test for like, Hey, hey, will you thrive here? Like now there can be people who don't have a growth mindset who can still be successful in our company, but like, it's just going to be a little bit more uncomfortable. There'll be some friction. It'll more uncomfortable conversations.
2: Mm. Mm. What would be a behavior that would express that growth mindset if you were in leadership Mm -hmm. as you're trying to Um, yeah, um, I would say
1: proactive feedback, like asking others for feedback, asking your direct reports for feedback or your skip level reports for feedback, like accepting feedback from any avenue, asking your peers. So, especially as a leader, Um, you know, when you're looking at like the sort of head of a function and they're talking to their other function leaders and they're like, Hey, like, how can I be a better partner to you? And I think that the thing that actually like really shows a growth mindset is when you put that feedback into practice, because it's one thing to ask for it. It's another thing to apply it. And in a fast growing company, um, you actually can see that pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. but I would say that that is. It's like one thing to be really positively receptive to feedback, and it's a totally different thing to actually like seek it out
2: to make yourself better. Yeah. Mm. I would say people who ask for feedback and then either get defensive or just don't apply any of it, I would say it actually is detrimental to that value. Even though you're you know, playing out the beginning of the behavior, people notice when you don't actually listen to their feedback, when you either don't take it in at all or when you, you never take action. And it, it, it's labor for someone to tell you feedback. And so you're asking for labor from people and then you have no intention of using it. Well, so. and it
1: degrades trust
2: right, and yeah.
1: like it spends relational capital. So like the next time you ask me for feedback, I'm probably not going to give it to you or I'm going to give you something so watered down. It's worthless. Right. Right. So like, then, then no one's getting better.
0: <laughs> you're doing just great.
1: <laughs> yeah. Like I have no feedback <laughs> for you. And you know, that's something in our current culture because we, in the company where I am now, because we have that value when we actually have people who withhold feedback, um, we actually have a pretty strong culture of calling that out and being like, you're actually not helping anybody by not sharing feedback. Oh, interesting. Um, and you know, we have a, another big tenant in our culture is problem solving. And it's like, so feedback is raising problems so that we can solve them. If you don't get feedback, can't solve the problem. And so it's actually like, you're hurting the team by not raising feedback, so that we can
2: solve the problems. Ah, mm. I love that.
0: So, so how have you helped facilitate this conversation with companies as you've gone through? Uh, you know, you're, you know, as you worked in different spots and places, like who helps map? who helps map those behaviors? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, any, any company can go on a corporate retreat and have a value session, you know, and, and that's cool. I mean, I'm all about having value sessions. I mean, we have done them, but, uh, (laughs) you know, at the end of the day, like, okay, you got some words now that's cool. You know, cool story, bro. But what's what's that next level? How do you take,
2: yeah. How do you facilitate them beyond that? Because I think we all have a story of going to a retreat and painstakingly writing a mission statement or deciding the values. And then we come back from the retreat and it's like, nothing has changed. Yeah. It just, now it's like written down in a binder. Yeah. So, so moving them beyond that, how have you facilitated that work?
1: Yeah. It's looked a little different in each place. Um, I would say that, you know, one company I joined, they had just figured they'd just done the retreat and figured out their four words, um, but nothing else. So then I was kind of like, you know, I interviewed the founders. I was like, how do you define these terms? Um, and then I spent probably about six months just immersed in the culture to kind of see like how they were using it. Cause there's one thing of like how founders say define it and then actually see them in action. And like, How are they living it? Um, Because I think that's actually my priority is like to bridge the disconnects because I don't want aspirational values, I want real values. (laughs) Yes, I love it. (laughs) The values have to be real to the founders or the leader, like the top, like the executive leaders, um, because if they can't model it, then no one else will follow it it's hollow and so fortunately like in that particular situation they were real values um but you know like that was the place where some of the words they chose don't match how most people think of them so we had to actually do a lot more to define them um, and in that particular case i actually used a framework um that i kind of referred to earlier but it's like i made a list of constructive behaviors and undermining behaviors for each of the values because i was kind of like okay how does somebody demonstrate this value? Right. And like, so one of their values is adaptability. So it was a startup fast growing. So they were like, adaptability is so important. And so it's like, okay, well like, what does that even look like? So like I think I came up with like eight behaviors and like I wrote them as sentences, like, um, like a constructive paper is like so I someone who does XYZ. And, and then I wrote like similarly like a list of the undermining. And then I sent that draft to them to get their feedback. And they had some edits and some clarifications. And then they um, wisely asked me to share it with some of the most tenured employees to be like, okay, stress test it. Like, does this hold up? Is this how you understand it? Um and so went through that refining process with them as well, and then we had a, a final document that then we could share with everyone, um, and then we used that as the basis for um, writing out like a more in-depth um, values assessment in our performance reviews. Oh, used it with that. managers to help them like learn how to coach better to performance because mm-hmm. with performance it's not just what you get done but it's also like how you do it right like oh, so you can for have sure. some results but they're a jerk and like no one wants to work with them so like how do we actually like do things that sort of match the values of the company um, and so managers I find find them are feel the most uncomfortable delivering feedback around values behaviors um,
2: oh I gave them like a, it was,
1: like a literal script. It was like, you could say, Hey, here are all the ways that you're Here's all the ways you're supporting this value and like point out on this list, like literally hold up the list and say, and then, but you are doing this one undermining behavior that is actually, yeah. undermining the way you exhibit this value and like, let's work on ways to correct here so that you can be a model of this value instead of not, (laughs) if you will, uh, that. So that's one framework. You know, I've also been places where they um, are uninterested in fleshing out the values because they're like, we think what we have is good enough. And I was like, this is a word salad. This means nothing. Like we don't refer (laughs) to to the word salad. Um, And that was also a place where there was not a lot of respect for the leadership in general, you know? And Mm -hmm. so that was tough. And I had nothing to like fall back on and be like, but look how they model these values. Cause like they didn't (laughs) model the values and they didn't care about the values. (laughs) Like it was kind of like, ah, this is that was a very difficult position to be in as the people leader. Um, yeah. And then the interesting part about where I'm at now and part of what drew drew me to where I'm now, um, is not only did they have their core values, but they actually had already had a, they have a manifesto, (laughs) like a description (laughs) of all the values, including some behaviors. It's not like as sort of crystal clear as I like might take it in the future, but it was like very strong start. And I was really happy to see in my interview process and in my first six months that there was a level of integrity between the like leaders and the values of like, they were referring to them all the time. Mm-hmm. They were living it themselves. They were, they were, they were exemplars of the values themselves. So it was like, ah, this is easy. Like this is an easy sell. Uh, mm-hmm. This is easy to integrate because it's already like the, the two, like they're already all in on it in, in the ways they operate as well.
2: Mm-hmm. So, Yeah. All right. So could you share a story with us of a time when gaining this kind of clarity has been helpful to an employee in one of the companies that you've worked with?
1: Yeah, this was actually a funny story. I am really proud of this person for their self-awareness. Um, okay. I was doing an exit interview for somebody who was leaving. Um, and I was like, Hey, like, can you give me any feedback or any like thoughts like, about like what sort of pushed you to leave uh, or like what was kind of the, d- the decision factor? And she was like, Oh, I actually figured out when we rolled out the core values that I was <laughs> ultimately going to leave. And I was like, Oh, really? <laughs> I was like, like say uh-oh. more. <laughs> Why? <laughs> <laughs> and she was like, well, one of our values is adaptability. And she was like, I'm not adaptable. She was like, I know that about myself. She was like, I want super clear expectations
2: and I want to on okay, okay. them
1: and I want it, whatever. Yeah. She was just like, and that's what I want. And I found that in my next job. And I was like, good for you. Like you self-selected out. Cause you were like, this doesn't align to my values. Right. Uh, and I think I, I heard it put really well by my current boss. He was saying essentially of like, the employment relationship is like any relationship, like a friendship or, you know, a close relationship where you ha- like, it will last and it will be good. If you share values, if you don't share the same values, yeah. like it's just a lot harder to build a long-term successful relationship. And so, you know, I think that's why it's so important to incorporate the values in your recruiting process and like in your yes. screen, you know, like to k- keep iterating on those so that you're, you know, constantly like you're more likely to retain and engage folks because you all have shared values, but
2: Oh, that's
0: so smart yeah. yes so as we bring today's conversation for a landing Leslie because this has been awesome uh, how can our how can our listeners engage with you outside of just you know tuning into this podcast
1: <laughs> so because I'm an HR professional, all my socials are locked down. Okay. <laughs> so so not, not on social, but actually LinkedIn. Um, anyone can reach out to me on LinkedIn, um, connect with me or send me a message. And I'm happy to engage on that platform and I check it regularly. So I would say that's actually the best way to find me.
0: Groovy, groovy. And to you, dear listener, thanks for tuning in to the Kimberly Coach Show, where we endorse cold drinks in beautiful places <laughs> as a required element of self-care.
2: Or all-night diners.
0: <laughs> we'll see you next <laughs> time. places
2: or all-night diners. <laughs> Cheers, friends. Okay, so that was exhilarating for me, partially because I deal with this kind of thing so often. And the other reason is because Leslie's so brilliant at, at creating systems that really allow you to have this kind of a conversation. And so the yeah. thing that is standing out for me is just how hard it is sometimes to try to address when someone is not a culture fit. Cause it can sound like, I just don't like you, you suck. Which is not necessarily what's happening if it's not a perfect fit. Um, and sometimes sometimes it is what's happening. <laughs> but, and it also yeah. isn't, you know, like it's it can't be, because people are afraid to act, that they'll show their prejudices and their biases, you know. Um and so if your culture conversation is too vague, then people can wonder like what is this attached to for you if you're saying that I'm I'm not culturally a fit. And so the thing that I was thinking about was um just what Leslie was talking about with like in how you're hiring and then in how you are coaching, you can say we have this value of blank Here are the behaviors that actually create that value. Here's the ones that you do. There's this one thing over here. And I think um, it gives you like a real foundation for having a conversation that that is so important.
0: Yeah. yeah. Uh, The thing I really appreciate that she brought out was, you know, in in doing the whole one world values, like when she was talking about growth, okay, I never would have attached any of those thoughts to that value. Yeah. When I hear people talk about growth, I'm thinking there better be more zeros <laughs> on the bottom line, yeah. you know, or more money,
2: more clients. Right. Right. More sales, mm-hmm. more employees. We're getting bigger. We need a bigger building out of thought like all bigger, 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 Right. which wasn't at all what they were talking about. So it was a perfect example because neither of us were in that space. Oh yeah.
0: Yeah, for sure. For sure. I was like, huh, that's, I would have, I would probably would have tagged that personal growth, I would say, but yeah, but that uh, sounds it's pretty woo-woo so. for
2: like a, <laughs> you <know? laughs> a, you know, certain industries, yeah. personal growth balance, sounds yeah, yeah. like you're going to go do some yoga, you know, I mean, they, they're <laughs> like a tech company take themselves very seriously, you yeah, know. Yeah, we
0: a construction company, we're not doing yoga out here. <laughs> right. I do yoga on the work site, you get hit with a beam or something. I don't know. So, maybe.
2: Well, yeah. I was going to say, you should do yoga on the job site. That'd be fine. But then I was like, but you might. Nah, like a but you know,
0: yeah. It's a, yeah. On a
2: construction site, there are probably some real limitations yeah. about what you should be doing yeah, for yeah. personal growth in that moment.
0: <laughs> for sure. For sure. So that's yeah. our show for today, my friends. Thank you for tuning in as always. You can always catch us over at Kimberlyandcoach.com. Thanks for hanging out. We'll see you next time. Cheers. Thank you.